Thank you guys so much for listening to the Collegian Cultivate podcast. My name is Pete. Um, I know that this is a strange and hard time for all of us. I know it is for me, as this is the first podcast that I've ever done from home. Um, I wanted to clarify how exactly COVID-19 is affecting K-State. So today I am talking to Jeff Morris, who is the Vice President for Communications and Marketing. Um, how are you doing this morning, sir? Well, I'm doing well, Peter. Pete, as you know, it's been a, been a pretty wild time the last couple of weeks, and we've had a dramatic amount of changes on our campus that have affected our faculty, staff, and our students. Yeah. Um, how have you? What have you been up to personally? Are you calling me from home right now? I am working from home. I also work from Dole Hall part of the time where we have our emergency operations center in operation. Um, we currently uh, are operating basically remotely this week. We've transitioned from in-person meetings to remote meetings with all of our groups. We have uh, daily meetings with our executive group, our executive admin group, which is driving a lot of decisions. We have an administrative continuity group that meets every day. We also have a briefing at 1 o'clock. Uh, with a lot of our key managers and people on campus to keep everybody engaged. So there's a lot of people right now operating virtually at Kansas State University. Yeah, um, it's funny. One thing one thing that I did this morning, which actually helps me a lot with this whole like working from home thing, is waking up and getting ready like I'm going to work or going to class. So, yeah, I woke up and I didn't stay in my PJs. I like woke up, went about my normal morning <laughs> routine, put on jeans and a button-up shirt. Definitely puts me in the right so mindset. I, I'm doing the same thing, and I, I wear purple to the office every day, and I'm wearing purple every day at home to <laughs> nice. keep the brand going. Yep. Cool. So has the university ever experienced anything like this? You know, the la- the most recent example we can find is during the 1918 uh, flu epidemic. Yeah. When we did close university for a couple of times, uh, a few weeks period, I think twice they closed for a several week period um, in response to, to something similar to this. So, yes, there, it's been 100 years, but oh, we wow. have had something before. Um, I think it's safe to say that there's no one around that was around then. Gotcha. So... I know one question that's on everybody's minds and something that I've been hearing people talk about is the situation with the dormitories. Um, So what is the situation out there? Like, how can students access their stuff? Do some students still have access or permission to go in? What's going on out there? So this has evolved this week. Yesterday, there was an email communication that went out to all the people that have residence hall contracts. Um, what we're doing over the next 10 days is uh, having an orderly, we're calling it an orderly process where people can schedule a time to come back and, and get basically get their stuff and, and essentially move out of the residence halls. Mm-hmm. So that will be completed, we hope, by March 30th. The idea is we don't want everybody coming back at once. Right. And we need to manage the number of people that we have and also uh, be able to let them go in in a safe environment, get their stuff, and then leave in a, in a in a safe way, as safe as we can make it. So that's basically the process that's going on right now. That went out yesterday. Um, I will tell you that within the first few minutes of it going out, we had contacts from about 1,300 people. Oh, jeez. Um, and and so that's probably about half the people that we still have that we have in the dorm. So so people have gotten that message. They're making those plans um, with the idea that everybody will be able to get their stuff. Um, there will be some students, I know you thought about, you asked about this, there will be some students um, that we are going to continue to house uh, because they don't have somewhere else to go or they have special circumstances. Our plan right now is that most of those students will be located in Jardine apartments where we have some capacity. Okay. 
So we don't intend to have people housed in the dorms after the March 30th date. Gotcha. Um, okay, so what what's going on with the dining halls now? Like, are students going to be able to eat there or... Right now, we have limited service for those students that are still housed in the in the dining halls. Uh-huh. Um, what's going to happen when we close when we close the residence halls? They will they will cease to operate the dining halls. However, the students that were moving into Jardine, uh, we will be able to provide food for, and they're working through the logistics on that. I know the students that we quarantined, for example, we had them when they moved in. We had a week's worth of food already in the apartments. Oh, so wow. we do have ways to make sure that those students that we need to take care of will be fed and taken care of. Uh, in this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, how did the administration go about making these types of decisions? Well, we started in January with our group meeting on the what we call the IDAC group, which is our uh, infectious disease group. Uh-huh. Uh, we started meeting in January when this first started to come up, and that group was meeting uh, weekly. Uh, it didn't take very long to realize we had to meet more often, so we formed a, an emergency working group that was a lot of the key players, the health people, um, our police, our student life folks, our administrative folks, our academic folks, uh, to kind of get together and start to work on our plans. We've had plans in progress uh, for a lot of these things for a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this is an unprecedented situation. But so right now, that's transitioned to where now we have an executive group that meets every morning, uh, which is the key, um, which are the key, key vice presidents, the provost, the president, um, or, or community relations chief of staff, uh, Linda Cook. And also I want to mention Jansen Penny is on that group too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a student voice in this, and he's part of the decision-making process as we're going forward. So we're trying to hear from, from all the people concerned, faculty, staff, students, and make sure that, they're, you know, that their concerns are, are heard. Yeah, uh, what information about the disease itself do you think students need to know? Well, I, I think they need to know um, there's been a lot of conflicting information. Yeah. And, and one of the things we've seen, which which has not, not been helpful, is some people have said, don't worry about it, stay away from it. So, why, you know, why the, the studies are showing that students may not be as much at risk as, as older people, of which I am one. <laughs> um, the, 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 the reason that we need to break the transmission cycle is because it's very easily transmitted. Yeah. And, it, and you can be carrying it and not know it, and so you could be infecting people who then get very sick, yeah, um, and and be a, and sort of be a carrier of the disease. So I think I think that's important. That's why there's that's why you see they're shutting down bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. They don't want people to gather because we know that if we can break that transmission change, we can flatten the curve. And basically, that means, um, you know, what we see in other countries is it can easily overwhelm your healthcare facilities. I can tell you right now, um, just from what I've heard in the last couple of days, that our emergency room in Manhattan, the Fiend Health Center. Are, are close are very close to having to being at very much capacity mm-hmm. um, there, there's over 100 calls an hour going into the hospital right now from people and so you can see where this if the community gets really sick it won't take very long before we won't have adequate care for people that are really sick and that's what we're trying to do as kind of as a society also we're trying to make sure that we mitigate the spread of the disease so that as people as people get sick that we probably can't prevent them from getting sick long term but if we can get them sick over a longer period of time, then we can have fewer deaths because we'll be able to provide the health care they need when they're critically ill. Yeah, so you think the best thing like for students to do is just make sure they're not spreading the disease so that less people get it like over time or like less people at a time have it? Yes. And then that'll make exactly it more manageable, right? right? 
Yes. Cool. Yes, and it's, it's 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 taking a lot of changes by all of us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's this is a this is a this is a, a historic event. I think we can save in all of our lives. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. I like. I never expected anything like this. Even in January, I didn't like I first heard about it and I heard about some virus growing in China and I didn't think it was going to ever get here. So, well, you know, we've had them before, you know, H1N1, but they never reached, reached this level. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. they burst up and we'd all get concerned and then they would go away. Yeah. You know, this one's not going away. Yeah. Do you know like why that is or like what's different about it? I think it's because it's what they call a novel coronavirus, which means people have not experienced it before. Uh-huh. For example, with the flu, which, you know, that was an example people used earlier saying, well, lots of people died from the flu, mm-hmm. which is true. However, we have a lot of immunity from the flu because most of us have had the flu in our lifetimes. Um, and we, we actually suffer, you know, we actually have some immunity built up. So when it comes, it does hit the most vulnerable, but it, it, the natural immunities tend to temper it a little bit. We also have vaccines and other things for it. We don't have vaccines for this virus. Right. We don't have immunity to this virus. So anybody that gets it has never had it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you see. There's there's some studies that show that in, in 1918, one of the reasons the, the flu was so deadly was because there was a cohort of young people who had not had immunity to the flu because they hadn't had that virus in the flu before. Mm-hmm. And that was why it spread so quickly and was, and was so deadly. So so these, this really goes back to the immunity of our population. This is a human, this is a human being problem right now you know, all human yeah. beings suffer from the same vulnerability to this virus hmm. um okay so how do you think like besides watching out for other people how do you think students can best take care of themselves right now like physically well, I think and wash mentally. their hands yeah yeah follow the guidelines um do do the stuff that that the cdc recommends those things do work Mm-hmm. You know, washing your hands and, and just kind of be changing your, your personal behaviors like handshakes and hugs and those kinds of things, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is hard because we are such social animals, right? We all yeah. want that human interaction. We've already seen with people working at home or being at home for a few days, kind of the effects of social isolation, uh-huh. uh, which is a great medical strategy, but it's not a great mental strategy. Um, so one of the things we want to be really concerned about is making sure your friends and, your, and folks are doing okay from a mental standpoint. You know, cheer them up, send them notes, make sure you're in contact with your friends because we don't want to become psychologically isolated in this time, too. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a big fear we have. And right now we're thinking, you know, right now we need to get messages out to reassure people and let them know things are going to, you know, re- return to a semblance of normal and, and things are going to move forward because they are. Yeah, um, it definitely is an interesting time for this to happen because we're all able to communicate and work from home. You know, like if, if this, most people are, yeah, right, right. So we have some students that we've that reached out to us that, that maybe don't have broadband where they live or yeah. don't have access to Wi-Fi, and um, some of our some of our suppliers have said they will give people free uh, free Wi-Fi or broadband uh, for the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in their areas, you have to be in their areas to do that. But they're they're a couple of the big uh, bigger providers. And uh, so we're also working with those students one-on-one if we can to help find a solution for them. So I, I would tell you that if people have, if, you, if your students are out there and they say, I don't have it, I can't do it, um, encourage them to re- reach out to our student life folks because we're working hard to get make sure that everybody can continue their education. And, and if there's a barrier that we can identify, we're going to help remove it. Gotcha. Yeah, it, so 
if students have any issue with that or if they have an issue like not being able to get back into the dorms or not having anywhere to go besides the dorms, uh, where, like, who exactly should they reach out to first and how do they contact well, them? Well, there's, there's really there's three places they should go. First is the Student Access Center, okay. which is 785-532-6441. They can also contact the Office of Student Life, which is 785-532-6432. And, of course, they can call the IT help desk uh, if it's just a technology issue because that's a good place mm-hmm. to go because they will know who's got services and who can provide and, and give them that information. So that's where I would start um, from, from my standpoint. Gotcha. Um, okay, so I think another question that's on everybody's mind now is, like, is this going to, like, persist into the summer and next semester? Is there any way to know that yet? There's not, you know, based okay. on the projection we've seen, mm-hmm. uh, if you look at what the epidemiological studies show, which I can't pronounce, um, <laughs> if you look at what the studies show, um, you know, the next the next 60 days is really going to be crucial for us, the next 45 days especially. So that's why, that was one reason why we decided to go ahead and extend the semester so we can plan for it. You know, we are going ahead with plans for summer um, yeah. activities and fall activities so it's, you know it's our assumption that we're going to be able to resume activities in the fall okay and and we're operating on that unless unless the situation changes from what we see today uh, i think this summer is going to be on a case-by-case basis um, but the university is looking at that and you know we really hope we really hope the steps we're taking now mitigate it so that in the fall we're back to you know full football stadiums and yep. all homecoming parades and all the things that we want to have yeah. Um, what would you say to like seniors who are graduating in May who aren't going to, who are like their time at K-State was cut short in a very unexpected way? Well, I, I think that's really, I think it's unfortunate. And I, I'm teaching a class right now with, with, uh, with 10 uh-huh. seniors. And uh-huh. so we've been in contact and I think there's a lot of disappointment and we understand that. I think we're going to look for ways to celebrate their achievements and and like the decision about commencement, that decision was made because of where we are today. Yeah, I think we were going to look forward and find ways that we can celebrate and do some stuff in a very creative way. And we have a lot of really smart people at K-State. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that we're going to find a way to honor these students and celebrate their achievements and, and, and make them feel the way they should feel because of the accomplishments that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're making that commitment. I can't tell you what that's going to look like right now. But I think that's really important, and I, I want them to know that we are thinking about that, and it's, and it's very important to us because commencement is also not just for students, but it's also for faculty and staff and because it's a sort of a celebration of what we've accomplished in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that affects a lot of people, parents parents and friends the same way. You know, they want to help join and celebrate that with you. So we're, we're looking at that. There's some other examples of what people have done. Um, so I, I would say have, you know, keep faith, stay positive, and, and finish strong. Awesome. Um, what would like, so on the faculty side of things, like, how is this looking? Like, I know that that faculty is taking this week to start transitioning classes to more of an online platform. Uh, what is like, what's the situation looking like for them right now? Um, they're, they're moving very quickly on this. Uh, for some, it's easier than others, as you know, uh-huh. uh, the, the ones having more of a challenge are those that have requirements, like for example, in architecture planning and design where students are doing their their studio projects, right? You know, and they're deliverable as this three-dimensional thing. Which, um, so everybody's they're working on that very, very quickly. Um, from what I've heard, we have a meeting every morning 
with the academic continuity work group um, that meets for an hour and a half or, or meets for an hour. Um, and the reports I'm hearing are that, that, that things are moving very quickly and, and everybody's adapting. Uh, you know, some of them are going to go to old school methods. Some of them will move stuff uh-huh. online. Um, and, and that's where people, that's what people are working on. So, you know, we have a long tradition in K-State of a, what we call correspondence courses where we used to teach at a distance for a long, long time, many years. And some of the, we're getting some of the, dusting off some of those old techniques and saying, okay, we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we just got it. We just got to break it out. So I would say that the faculty response has been overwhelmingly positive. And I would say there's a lot of concern to making sure that our students are getting the, the quality of education they deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know like a major like like mine, like journalism and mass communications with um, like I know that that seems to be like a lot easier to transition over to online. But something like more of like the sciences um, are, are tough because you have like labs and stuff. But from what you're saying, it sounds like there are ways that you can move forward even on that type of thing. Yeah, there are. There are. And, and anyway, I will tell you, it's not perfect and it's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the whole situation is not ideal. You know, it's, it's certainly better than, than not moving ahead. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, how, like, ha, excuse me, has there been any training that has gone in, into, like, helping the faculty, like, put their, their classes online? Because I know, like, like, some faculty are going to be more experienced with that than others. So, so there has actually been, actually a couple weeks ago, um, we started working with our, especially with our glo- our global campus folks have been one of the ones yeah. taking the lead on this. Yeah. And there's a website called Keep Teaching, k-state.edu slash keep teaching, where we have posted a, a ton of resources and tools for the for people to use. And there's also been a lot of help from our national organizations. Uh, we a lot of our national organizations have been have been taking best examples of best practices what other schools have done and, and put them out there. So there's been a there's been a tremendous amount of stuff that's come out in the last uh, few weeks mm-hmm. that's available to help people do that. So there's a yeah, there's a lot of resource and a, and a lot of a lot of really good ideas and and proven stuff. So that's that's what we're counting on to help help our faculty move forward. Gotcha. Um... So what would you say to a student who is like trapped in their house? They feel like they're never like the whole situation is never like never going to end. They just feel um, like kind of hopeless right now in some way. I would say, um, you know, keep the faith and remember that, the, you know, the K-State families out here, um, you know, we're all going through kind of the same thing. It's a shared experience. So people don't need to feel alone. They need to reach out. Um, if someone's really struggling, uh, we'd, we'd like them to call the Student Access Center or, or reach out to our counseling folks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very aware that people may have some uh, challenges with this from a mental health standpoint because it is it is frightening in, in some respects. And it, and it can be, you know, the fright, fright, the fright, the fright is often replaced with boredom. Mm. Uh, and so start, start thinking about that. Um, you know, and, and think about the things you can control and, and what we can do, because this is, this will pass. I mean, this will pass. This is not a forever thing. It's going to be a period of time. Yeah. And then at some point we'll come out of it because we, you know, people always do it. And, and, and we're very resilient. You know, we, we think the K-Staters have a lot of in their strengths and we're going to have to rely on that in the next few days. But I would also tell people, you know, pay attention to your friends. If someone's hurting or needs help, make sure you help them. 
make sure you find help for them and do that because this is a community issue. Cool. And uh, we also want people to, to to get the best out of it. The other thing is I would have people check our website every day. That's on it's linked off the homepage, mm-hmm. uh, slash COVID nineteen because yeah. we changed we literally changed that multiple times a day. Yeah, with new with new stuff. It is it has been updated multiple times a day because this is this is a, a rapidly changing situation. Yeah, I should say that it's March nineteenth at 9:23 a.m. right now. So, okay. Who knows who knows <laughs> if the uh if the situation will change since I mean even in a few hours. Well, I guarantee so. you by I guarantee you by March 19th at 4 p.m. <laughs> there'll be new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Alrighty. Um is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I just I just again, you know, Pete, I, I think I thank you for doing this, and I appreciate the students' help and you know the student uh, media's help in getting the word out because this is these are important times and tell people to pay attention. To, uh, you know, the official sources of information. Don't believe all the stuff you can see on the internet, mm-hmm. um, and and reach out and you know and support the K State family because we all need to come together on this, and and we will all get through it. Can I ask you where do you think is the best place to find information on it? Well, I think the best place is to start with our website on the homepage. Okay. I think the, the Centers for Disease and Prevention Control, the CDC, yep. has probably the best information regarding your health. And, and those are the two places we send almost everybody. Kansas Department of Health and Environment also has a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of that is the same stuff you'll see on the CDC site. All righty. Well, thank you so much, sir, for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Um, thanks so much for keeping us informed as you do. And I hope it goes well. Well, thank you. you. It's, a, it's, a, it's a first for both of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, okay, have a great day.